Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I am your host, Michael Graham. With us, the editor of the Weekly Standard, Bill Crystal. And Bill, as you and I get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving here in the States, Hillary Clinton is going to Egypt to beg people that we give money to to stop doing things that we don't like. Does this make sense? Well, it makes sense that she can pressure them by partly using the threat, I suppose, of the money we give them uh, to play a constructive role. I think it's a very important moment, obviously, for the Middle East, but especially for Egypt. I mean, if Morsi, uh, the head of Egypt, a uh, member of the Muslim Brotherhood, can, I mean, he has actually behaved somewhat responsibly during this crisis, I think. His rhetoric has been irresponsible, but his actual behavior seems to have been restrained. Uh, he hasn't backed up Hamas in any way. Uh, if he, in a sense, uh, it re- reaffirms Egypt's recognition of the state of Israel, its peace treaty with Israel, and its willingness to stand not with Hamas when it attacks Israel. That could be a useful thing, and I hope uh, Hillary Clinton can help bring about a ceasefire. Uh, it, it probably will only last for a few months, but that's better than nothing. And it could become an important moment in the Middle East where, uh, for all the turmoil there and for all the fact that one's not really happy to have the Muslim Brotherhood running Egypt, they've basically chosen to stand with uh, not, maybe stand with the state of Israel is too strong, but, but not to join those who want to destroy the state of Israel. Uh, to work with the United States to achieve a ceasefire. That would be a big deal. Uh, my question also was, I saw a news report that Hillary Clinton would be speaking with uh, Mahmoud Abbas and trying to promote him in the West Bank. I, it just seems to me that that moment is so gone. Is there a chance that the West can prop this guy up, or isn't it the case that what we're calling the Arab Spring, which is the Islamization of the region, is just going to continue, and eventually, obviously, it's going to reach the West Bank? Well, nothing's event, you know, nothing's inevitable, and we probably uh, it makes a certain amount of sense to go see Abbas, who's better than uh, Hamas. Not that he's uh, not that Fatah or, or those people running the West Bank or any great shakes. I don't think they're terribly relevant for the near future. I think Hamas has to be defeated. Uh, Israel has to be secured against these rocket attacks, and then you could have a situation where uh, I've got to say the Obama administration stood behind Israel a little more unequivocally than I expected. And we could come out of this with a situation where an Iranian-backed attempt to disrupt the U.S.-Israeli relationship, to weaken Netanyahu within Israel, to, uh, to, to, to subject Israel to a defeat, all those things will have failed. Israel could look pretty strong, and the U.S. and Israel can then turn, uh, I hope they will turn, their sights to the real fundamental threat to the region and to the world, which is Iran. So what you're trying to tell us here on the Weekly Sand Podcast is that you did, in fact, get an early Hanukkah gift of rose-colored glasses, and you're wearing them for us. I'm being a little cheerful here and optimistic, <laughs> trying to be exactly in the spirit of Thanksgiving, looking on the bright side. But uh, look, it could, I think Netanyahu, I've got to say, has been very deft, been tough, but also um, you know, has kept the world coalition. Mm-hmm. Since, of course, there is one, the international community sort of behind him, uh, has kept the U.S. relationship strong. I think he's uh, risen to the occasion here on behalf of Israel. He's got an election coming in a couple of months. And we could have a situation where, uh, look, this, the threat is terrible, the rockets are terrible, the fact that Hamas controls Gaza is terrible, but that's something that, you know, isn't going to change overnight. And I think given those circumstances and given what's happened over the last two, three years in the Middle East, I, I do think that uh, Netanyahu is maybe uh, following a policy that can make the best of it. And the U.S., at least for now, is standing with Israel, which is awfully important. So on one border you have Syria, which is going through some form of transformation. It's not going to be the same Syria, whatever happens. And then you have uh, Egypt, which is stumbling forward as well. Lebanon is a basket case, thanks to Iran and Hezbollah. 
And and now uh, Jordan's regime appears to be possibly in trouble. What should Israel and America's, uh, what what should we be doing today to plan for this future that is clearly on its way? Well, I think we need to be helping to shape that future in Syria. I think our staying out of it has enabled, uh, fortunately, uh, the uh, led the rebels, uh, strengthened the Islamists among those fighting against Assad. We have a huge interest in removing Assad, a bigger uh, an Iranian proxy and ally in the region. But I think our doing nothing, our leading from behind, our being obsessed with having a light footprint, as the Obama administration calls it, is really damaging us in the region. I, I, I put it this way. The, the Arab Spring is obviously problematic, it's, it, but an Arab Spring that occurs in the context of a strong U.S. willing to help shape events, willing to help stand with our friends and also punish our enemies, that kind of Arab Spring is going to be very different from an Arab Spring that occurs uh, with the uh, U.S. in retreat, with the U.S. that's hesitant, with the U.S. that doesn't stand with our friends or punish our enemies. And that, I'm afraid, under President Obama, is the way in which the Arab Spring may well go, and that would really be disastrous for us. And obviously Iran's the big issue here, stopping Iran from having nuclear weapons. But you know, this is one of these moments where the world's in flux, the region is in flux, uh, a strong U.S., the U.S. willing to apply pressure uh, and, as I say, help its friends, can really make a difference. And the Obama administration seems to have decided most of the time, unfortunately, to stand back and withdraw. Okay, am I a clueless neocon Kool-Aid drinker to think this way, that you have this example in Iraq that we could have used to the entire Muslim world, in, or the, 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 that region of the world, in which you say, look, obviously we don't want to govern you. Obviously we don't want to rule you. Obviously we have no objection to a Muslim-run government. We just have two things. No terrorism, stop killing Israel, and we will help you liberate yourself from these thugs and these dictators, etc., as long as you can play by those simple rules. And am I wrong to say that we've thrown that example away, something that we could be using right now to try to shape these changing uh, uh, political situations on the ground? No, I think you're unfortunately right. I mean, I, the, the, the pell-mell withdrawal from Iraq, the, after winning in Iraq, basically, the, the failure to secure an agreement which allowed us to keep some forces there and help shape the developments there, I think will go down in history as really one of the worst things that happened in the first term of the Obama administration. Most people, most of us were busy, you know, with so many other fights right. and, and struggles that it kind of happened uh, without maybe as much notice as there should have been. But it's, no, no, that's a real throwing away of, of all the efforts there. Um, now maybe we can recoup some of it still, but it's, it's depressing to think about. It is very depressing because, you know, when people ask what kind of foreign policies America have, a pragmatic with thugs like Mubarak, or you should idealistic, et cetera, et cetera, it seems to me that there was an opportunity sitting there to be the, hi, we're for democracy as long as it doesn't involve, you know, violence and killing people. And we had that, the opportunity. We could have gathered the pro-democratic forces from across the region, we could have, including the Islamist ones, and say, look, we can work with you with these parameters. Can you work with us? Or some people have told me, Bill Crystal, that you could never do that because America is too much of the great Satan uh, among the uh, residents of the region themselves. And they, they, as soon as we made an offer, it would become tainted because it was ours. Do you think that's true? Well, no. Look what's happening in Egypt, which is governed by the Muslim Brotherhood. They're welcoming Hillary Clinton. They mm-hmm. want to be as central to a negotiated ceasefire, and they know that the U.S. has to be central to that. So I think the good news is, even among those who don't love the U.S. much, like the U.S. much, there's a sense that the U.S. is indispensable. Uh, I think if we're more active in Syria, if we can help shape things now in this crisis uh, with the Egyptians and help shape Egyptian behavior, maybe we can recoup some of the uh, 
price we've paid for the withdrawal from Iraq and for a general sense of weakness that I'm afraid we've conveyed over the last few years. Okay, the, the Middle East is easy. Peace between Israelis and Palestinians is easy. I want to ask you a hard question, Bill Crystal. Are you prepared to tell the truth and admit what everyone knows but never says on Thanksgiving, which is that turkey sucks? It's a crummy I like main dish. I, I like turkey. I'm a, oh. I like dry food. And, um, <laughs> I'm a turkey defender. Look, if you want to go sell out to PETA and get all <laughs> sentimental about all those turkeys being no. killed to satisfy gluttonous Americans, you go right ahead. No, it's dry, you know, flavorless. I'm defending Americans. I'm defending Americans. Uh, they have a right to eat and gorge themselves on turkey at Thanksgiving. I would much rather gorge myself on something that doesn't taste like warmed-over cardboard, you know, like chicken or duck or ham or you, steak. Wait, one of those insane, one of those crazy, one of those things. Turducken. Turducken things. Yes. That makes you feel, that's why America's a great country, you know, and what forces you to, unlike in maybe some other countries in the world, you're not forced to eat turkey, you can eat other foods. Um, no, I like turkey, I like stuff, I like Thanksgiving. I've got to say, it's sort of my favorite uh, of the American holidays, because it, it is, um, I mean, Declaration of Independence, July 4th is great, and, mm-hmm. and Memorial Day is moving, obviously, and those are great holidays, too. But there's something about Thanksgiving is kind of a unique American holiday, and this notion in a land like ours that's... Um, so concerned with individual rights and with commerce and progress that we stop for a day or even for an hour or a few minutes and sort of give thanks for you know the for stuff that's not uh, that we haven't shaped that we haven't mm-hmm. controlled. It is a pretty striking kind of holiday. I've always thought for for Americans that doesn't seem to have a counterpart really in a lot of other nations that I know of. You know, it's a secular. It's not a religious holiday. It's not. It's not tied to any one religion. Mm-hmm. It's not Christmas or something. But it's a, it's religious in spirit, you might say, uh, in acknowledging something above us. And I've always thought it's striking how how big a deal this this holiday is in America. Uh, was it a bigger deal for you as a kid, or do you guys do it pretty big? Do you put on the hog, as we say down south uh, now? We put on the turkey, as we say. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we do it, and I think like most Americans. So the other interesting thing about it is the holidays. I think it's the of all the American holidays, it's the one that's most family, obviously family. Mm-hmm. And the other holidays you celebrate, you know, sort of fireworks and uh, parades and going to maybe Arlington Cemetery on Memorial Day, that kind of thing. And this is very much, you know, celebrated by in families getting together across the country, which is also sort of a nice, uh, I'd say, countercultural touch in contemporary America where the family isn't as strong as maybe it once was. And, and it, it is moving, I think, to have different, gen- you know, many generations, several generations of families together. So I've always been... Uh, sort of sentimental about Thanksgiving, and I'm look for, looking forward to it tomorrow. Last question for this a podcast for the Thanksgiving weekend. If someone showed up unexpectedly at your house and threw open the door and walked in on your Thanksgiving ob- uh, 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 observation or Thanksgiving dinner, which, by the way, Bill, I plan to do, what I would be the most surprise? This, this, this is a precursor <laughs> of what's going to happen tomorrow. What, I've been kicked out of- what would be the biggest surprise about Thanksgiving at the Crystal household? I think ours is pretty normal and ordinary. Uh, some good... Uh, um, uh, no, I, I don't think there'd be any. I'm trying to think if there's any great. Support. No, we don't do any of these bizarre rites that maybe you guys do up in Boston. You know, and <laughs> no dishes and that would surprise wear, people. Wear funny-looking, you know, Puritan outfits, <laughs> dressed up like turkeys or anything. Well, how about the Thanksgiving kugel? Very standard American Thanksgiving. Does the Thanksgiving kugel make it? Do you have the uh, Thanksgiving gavelta fish? Anything like that? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not very Jewish. <laughs> it's just a um, 
very normal uh, American thing. Okay, I didn't. I thought you were going to admit this, ladies TV, and gentlemen. He won't football, tell you. TV, football, you know, it's the normal, the normal. Here's the what normal. Bill Crystal won't tell you: they served the entire meal on the official Obama plates that went on sale after he was reelected, and everyone Sorry, observes Thanksgiving. He didn't want you to know. It's, it was an ads, just a, t- a touch of gratitude, really, and a touch of. It makes it an even more moving ceremony. The thought that we have four more years of President Obama, but we all have to hope for the best in those four years and pressure him to do the right thing. And this is a great country, and Thanksgiving is an appropriate time to reflect on the fact that we will we will make it through these four years. This is the Weekly Standard podcast with Bill Crystal. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for updates and more podcasts.